Hey everyone, it's Wix. I've been gone for the past couple days and you may or may not be wondering what's happened. I basically got a cold and at this conference, it's actually nice to have a conference cold again, I guess, because that means that things are going back to normal, even the not so great stuff about meeting back in person. But I have a cold uh, and I did not feel great. I don't think it's COVID, but anyway, I decided to take a little bit of a break. But I also, I'm not sure if you know, but the weekday topics are all done on the same day. And I tried to do this pattern of batching things in weekly themes. And this week's theme basically was poorly chosen. I thought that I had enough to do some some stuff on basically the how technologies get adopted or get their traction. Um, but I just didn't. I, I ended up not liking any of the other episodes or any other podcast that I shortlisted for that particular topic. So I just ran out and I just didn't feel inspired. I felt trapped uh, in the format and didn't really know what to do with it. So I ended up not doing anything. I also had other work to catch up on on top of the conference stuff. So that was all in my head recently. And in general, I'm wondering whether or not I'm going in the right direction. So uh, if you do listen, and I really am grateful for you checking out this podcast because it's like a weird experiment with no particular theme or direction apart from it's, it's stuff that I like. If you are, if you have a strong opinion or if you particularly think that there's some ideas that I should just pursue further and you're just mad at me for not doing it, now's the time to tell me because I'm also a little bit directionless as to where this podcast could go. Uh, that said, I do think that there's a strong thesis for exploring or having a central place for exploring ideas that uh, I am personally interested in and re-syndicating my podcast appearances on other people's podcasts to my own feed so people who are interested in what I do can follow up directly. So here's a conversation that I had with Jaden Baptista on Twitter Spaces that was recorded and it's about temporal. So this is the first of maybe one to three podcasts that I did in the last month or so. So I'll be dripping them out over the weekends, the next couple weeks. And we'll see. We'll see where this goes. I want to get back more into writing. Uh, I still have hopes of spinning up my YouTube more seriously. But I think the creator journey, the part-time creator journey at least, where I have a day job and that should take priority over uh, the other st stuff I do dictates the format of the things that I can take on. So, so far, the podcast thing has been really great. I actually have a lot, a long backlog of things which I selected for clipping. They just don't fit in any, any particular theme. I think the theme is really nice when I can do it. I just maybe don't have enough backlog <laughs> to do it just yet. So maybe I might go back to not having themes. Anyway, so here's my conversation with Jaden Baptista. Enjoy. Well, thank you for joining me today, Sean. I really appreciate you taking the time. How are you doing today? Very good. I'm very entertained by your Twitch title called Temporal Not So Temporary. <laughs> very interesting. Oh, yeah. I was trying to come up with like a, a stupid, clever name for the Twitch streams, despite them not really helping out with what the stream is usually ends up being about. <laughs> we tend to wander from topic to topic. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me and uh, happy to chat to Pearl. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let me ask you just the first quick question. You know, every every big program that we all talk about, we, we really enjoy using was, was built to solve a problem, some sort of problem. What problem was Temporal built to solve? 
What, what was the point of building it in the first place? So to be clear, I did not build it. Who did? Exactly. It was built to solve the problem of the, the abstract problem, that, the category problem this is called is workflows. Anything long running that needs to take anything more than a, re- a simple request response cycle. A request response would be just like, you know, you ping a serverless function, it gets back to you in, let's say, 300 milliseconds, right? That's a typical cycle. But sometimes you need to do long running work. Typically, I would think this is something like video processing. So you kick off a job, it takes like four hours to transcode a a video file. But actually, it is both longer and shorter than that. So this is actually a topic of my recent blog post because... Even if you, so Dropbox, so Box is one of our users and they use us for file transfers. And normally a file transfer just feels instantaneous until you try to transfer a million files, right? They just change like a thousand of them. So you need a solution that scales pretty nicely from like a single transfer that should feel instantaneous to, you know, something that's going to take a while because it's just distributed across a lot of systems and you need it to be perfect or you lose data. And uh, if you're boxed, you cannot lose data. The other super long running task is that why does anything have to ever end? So what if you could just model the entire journey of your customer from like their first contact with you to the time that they unsubscribe? And that is a single entity that you just interact with. So it then becomes easy to say things like, okay, on their seventh visit, send them a coupon. Every month, charge them based on their, you know, their, their usage or their billing. And all of this is encapsulated in a single function. So, so you can set up like time-based actions like that going forward, yeah. like actual schedule. Yeah, because, yeah. because we have an internal, basically, so solves brings together a database, a scheduler, some networking, some search capability, and it, and it does... And, and then it uses, it offers you an SDK so you can write it in idiomatic language. The, there, this is not a new problem. Our founders have been working on this for something like 20 years. The tech leads for Amazon SQS and then and simple workflow, Azure durable functions. And then when and they arrived at Uber, they, they built the initial version of Temporal where it now powers like something like 400 use cases at, at Uber, mostly driver onboarding, marketing, which they call communications or something like that. It's just like whenever you do something that is so fundamentally asynchronous, you can use it for a lot of things. And it tends to grow that way. So, you know, it was open sourced at Uber and then it was adopted by other companies like uh, Coinbase, Airbnb, Stripe. And then once it lands in a, in a company, it just starts growing from there. And it's just, a, it's just a really interesting thing to watch. When you solve a problem this well, you get a really strong developer adoption. And that's that's one of the reasons I joined it, just because, you know, so a bit about my, my personal history, like I typically have been on the front end and serverless side, working at Netlify and AWS. But the thing I think that serverless doesn't do well is anything long running. And the more time you spend studying developer businesses, the more time you understand that actually uh, a lot of the money, it, a lot of value is in the long running stuff. So we got to do that and we got to do this I'm going to make it easy to do asynchronous stuff. And when I say easy, I mean easy to do production grade services. So things like retries, failures, timeouts, heartbeats, you know, when when systems go down, do you have an easy way to, to bring it back up again? If systems go wrong, do you have a way, do you have everything tracked and audited? Do you have everything properly tracked so you can go back and see what happened, right? Are you, is your, is your monitoring practices correct? And then finally, when you need to scale, when, when stuff is going really, really well, can you just throw more machines at it? Sometimes if you have the wrong system design, 
you cannot because you've just you just assume a single dependency somewhere. So every part of your system needs to be horizontally scalable, completely fault tolerant, and that's what Tupol brings. Awesome. I mean, I, I I'm gonna be gonna be totally honest with you. I before interacting with you for the first time, never heard of Temporal, <laughs> but I ran into this problem a lot when I got first into development. I wanted to schedule things and kind of like model a workflow around that schedule instead of the other way around. And we, we ended up switching to like a weird monolithic backend just to get that done with the, my first projects as a developer. And it was miserable. I hated it. That's actually why I got into the Jamstack in the first place, because I hated those monolithic backends so much that we tried to use to solve this problem. But I'm curious, one thing that we ran into, and by the way, anybody who's listening, if you have questions for Sean about Temporal, yeah. feel free to ask to be a speaker or in the chat in Twitch. I'm watching both of them. But my, my first question, I've run into situations where that schedule is not set in stone. So, you know, perhaps with your Uber onboarding flow, maybe there's a set set of steps that you've you've got that you're you're going to use to onboard this user. But that might change on a lot of different platforms. Like for example, the one I was working on, we didn't know what email we would be sending a month down the line because it completely depended on what happened in the meantime. How how would Temporal handle something like that? Is there built-in flexibility if the schedule were to change midway through? Oh, migrations? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's one of the key selling points. So there, there, are, three selling, there are three key selling points. I'll go in reverse order because that's, that's where we happen to be starting. One of the key selling points is that you want to model workflows as code. And that's and pretty much we're mm -hmm. one of the only few plat workflow engines that, that do that. Uh, the, and by the way, there, there are others. That's why, that's why we do have to have our talking points straight. So when you migrate, you need migration tooling and you need tests, right, to move with confidence. Would it surprise you to learn that most people, when they set up their asynchronous workflows, have no tests? They, they just, they're, they're happy that it works. That's about it. And then when it, when they moved. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when they, when they make changes, they, they're just like, okay, it should work now, you know, and then, and that's about it. That's the state of the industry is pretty sad, but I, I think once you have the right abstraction, things just really lock into place. And being the main thing about tests is that you have to be able to mock out every single possible source of determinism in time. And that's one of the reasons why we're called Temporal. We help you to handle time. And one of the pitches actually for the front end crew, because we're going to launch our JavaScript SDK in October, that's off the record. I, I, did, I did not promise that. We are components for time, right? So we help you mock out time. We help you test time. We help you structure asynchronous workflows in, in the same sort of componentized logic that you might with a React or Vue or whatever component. And I think that way, that pitch, I'm testing it still and I'm still working on it. That pitch would probably make sense to, to front-end developers who are like, yeah, okay, you know, I have rendering solved, but like what happens to like all the asynchronous stuff um, still black box? Right. That, that's kind of the, the situation that, that I ran into too. Like I got all the rendering stuff was, solved, but. What was, what was the tech stack? What did you use? So at first we were trying to go with like a, uh, sort of like almost a Jamstack kind of thing. It was very bare bones. This was when I was first getting into web development and I went all gung-ho on this project with a classmate of mine that did not turn out well, but it was, it was basically just a simple Jamstack site actually hosted it on Heroku because we didn't know any better. 
And we ended up trying to solve like the problem of of uh, sending messages back and forth. And then depending on the content of those messages, doing something like a month later, like sending an email with a recap of some of those messages, or if there were no messages sent, do something else. We ended up actually having to create a PHP backend, like a second backend, and then a third one later in Python. So we actually had three backends for this problem because the only tools that we could find we're all over the place. Like I said, we didn't know what we were doing, but we were we we're all over the place trying to solve this problem. And so talking to you, it's very fascinating to me that somebody had this problem 20 years ago and yeah. decided to fix it. Yeah. There's if we'd, a, there's if we'd weird, known that, we would just use temporal. <laughs> there's a weird, there's an interesting pipeline. I think, and you know, this is a more general career reflect. The pipeline is, is as such. You work on a large web scale company early on in your career. You face all these problems at scale early on, and then you you leave that company, and then you start the problem, you start a company to solve that problem for everyone else, right? It's kind of that that's that's right. a lot of the the Google to there's like there's a lot of ex Googlers everything else yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> so I think now we're starting to see the emergence of the Uber and Lyft mafia who solved a lot of problems at Uber and Lyft, and now they're just emerging as like you know independent startups. GitHub, you know, yeah. has, has spawned Planet Scale. Lyft has spawned. There's there's a bunch of there's a bunch of them. Twitter has done that a lot too. People who worked at Twitter and then spun sure. off and did something yeah. else. Like Fauna comes to mind. Yes, yes. So it's interesting. So so this is you know this is an export of Amazon, Microsoft, and Uber because that's, that's the path that Fauna. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so I want to give you, yeah. So that's the other thing, right? I want to, I want to really impress upon you this point, which is that you want to, so the, the, the first, the first talking point was, was workflows as code. Second talking point is about orchestration that you want a single engine that handles retries, timeouts, heartbeats, uh, all that stuff. Yeah. And, and anytime you call an API, it actually has a, has a probability of failure which is like you're calling, you're, you're crossing network boundaries, you're you know, running into rate limits, whatever, whatever that is. Have you handled it correctly? And that error handling is something that you don't typically think about because when you code, you're typically coding, but have right. you specified it, works. it properly? <laughs> exactly. And especially if you think about this in a large company setting, uh, you have service, calling, service A calling service B, calling service C. Each of these services cannot trust the others, essentially, right? They have to treat each of each other uh, every time you cross a service boundary, you're essentially entering untrusted territory in some sense of the word. So in order to re- ensure the reliability of your service or that it responds very well, you start building up defenses against each other service. So around the boundaries of your service, you're building in like, okay, like, you know, if, if this call failed, like wait five minutes and retry again, you know, that kind of thing. And if you run a large enough company, you realize that every team is doing this and they're all doing it in their own way. And they're all solving yeah problems incident by incident like this the, you don't really sit down and just like design this from scratch like you run into an incident and you're like oh okay yeah we better we better put in some production hardening on this thing right and they're all provisioning infrastructure it's not just about duplication of code they're also provisioning infrastructure right like you went from running just one little machine somewhere to, to like, okay, now I need a database because I need to store what requests I've made, what track everything. Now I need a scheduler, like a cron job to, to retry things. And you just like build up a lot. of. And so right. what orchestration engines do is they provide reliability on rails. 
you have a CTO that says, okay, I have a central platform team that does this. Everyone just like use this platform and we'll scale it for you. Now you never have to think about the production hardening between your system boundaries again. You can just reliably things and, and they'll behave properly and, and fail according to a, a company-wide standard that we can predict and examine. This also centralizes failures. Uh, so, so in other words, like if you... If you could, like, one of the fun jokes about microservices is that they turn every outage into a murder mystery. Like, who, like, who's at fault, right? You know, and then you go through the, the trace and then you, you, you start. The one, the one I've heard is a murder mystery where you're both the detective and the murderer. Uh, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> the way to solve it is to have a global view of, of uh, what happens. So, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's that, which, which I think is, is pretty underappreciated by a lot of people. And I think it's, it's very core to what we do, but also what a lot of other people do. So we're not the only workflow engine out there. You could try in other in different contexts, Amazon Step Functions, Apache Airflow, and uh, there's a bunch of others. <laughs> I don't have to go through all the yeah. list. No, there's a really long list. And I've looked into a lot of these because, like I said, I've, I've seen this problem a lot. And I'm just wondering, a lot of those other ones, there was, there was a ton of setup work with those other ones. Like, I've tried Step Functions, and I, I actually didn't even get to the point of creating the Step Function. Because before that, there was so much, what's the word I'm looking for? Administrative stuff, <laughs> just to get to that point. Is how much do you have to do to get temporal working for a really small project? Because you said it'll scale with you as, as you start growing bigger. So what, what's the, the investment of time that you'd have to put into a, like a hobby project? That's an interesting question for us right now. Depends on your skill with DevOps, essentially. So I assume the JavaScript get, SDK is going to help out a lot with this. We still need to That's do a lot of work. Maybe not coming up. We still we still need to do a lot of work on that. So essentially, right now, it's a it's a single Go binary that is that's that runs four services, and those four services can be scaled independently. You will also need a persistence layer. So we support Cassandra, MySQL, and then optionally, we also support visibility search. So using Elasticsearch. So if you want to run all of that, you can, we're not, we're not opinionated on how you deploy that. You can try to run it on a single box, but also you probably want to have like a managed database layer, right? So you don't, you don't have to yeah. handle the database stuff yourself, but it is very easy to get up, up and running with our Docker compose file. So that's the way that we typically get people to get started. If you run Kubernetes, we have a Helm chart that you can reference. We definitely don't, you probably want to customize the Helm chart some, in some way. People have all sorts of other container orchestration and stuff that they might want to use, but that is essentially the story right now. What it will be in the future is that we'll have a single binary that you can one-click deploy on Heroku. Right. That's obviously the best developer experience. It's just not ironically something that we're optimizing for right now, because uh, right now a, a lot of our users already have that knowledge. So we're better off yeah. spending time working on other stuff. So developing yeah. new features stuff. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And SDKs. Awesome. Cool. So other than the JavaScript SDK that we didn't really mention earlier, what other things are in the roadmap for, for Temporal? And by the way, anybody else who has any questions in case you just came in, feel free to request to be a speaker and, and uh, ask Sean a question. But yeah, what is on your, your roadmap for the next little bit? We, I've been forbidden from publicly discussing them. So yeah, it's just, it's just a thing. Like we, we look bad if we let our users down by saying we're working on something and then it doesn't pan out for whatever reason. So we just don't do that. I will say that our JavaScript and Python SDKs are highly, highly, highly in demand. So, you know, uh, make your own conclusions there. I am also- That's a maybe. 
I, I was thinking more like your priorities for not necessarily like a specific feature or anything, but like, what are you at Temporal planning to, to focus on in oh, yeah, the future? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. Appreciate that question. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is a part of that, like getting us in front of the, the largest developer populations in the world is very important. Our web UI is under a major rewrite right now, and that, that would hopefully help us be more intuitive, especially to people who are new to the system. I always have this view that cool. docs are docs are a final, docs are a last resort. If if at all possible, use your UI to teach people as they go instead of having to read a wall of docs. And then and then finally, so we're not generally available yet. We're just in private design partnerships with people. So we have you know some some very very well known customers, some of them publicly listed. And yeah, and and we're basically learning how to scale this service and scale a multi-tenant version of this, right? It, it, the, you have to think about the origins of this company was an open source project run solely within Uber. So it never really had to think about, you know, auth and organizations and like security right. and, audit and billing and all that. So we have to build up all of that. We have a list of about 30 things that we need to build before <laughs> we, are, <laughs> we are a production ready cloud, but it is a very different startup from other forms of startup because it seems like this company is... Like it, there's no risk of mismatch in product market fit. Like we're already there in terms of- the you're, you're already fitting the market. Right. You're already there. It, it, I, the, the reason I hesitate to say that we have product market fit is because we don't actually have a full product yet, right? Like we need to build mm -hmm. that product and then we need to be able to repeatedly sell it either from enterprise sales or through a bottoms up, like just developers trying stuff out. And yeah, there's a long way to get before we, we go there, but we have plenty of open source developers who are open source users who are happy to build out, you know, who, who are looking forward to our production hosted cloud. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me, Sean, today. I really appreciate you. You teach me a little bit about this because I've been looking to try and figure out what Temporal is about so that <laughs> I can potentially be using it in the future once it fully yeah. launches. Because, yeah, you yeah. know, like I'll, I said, I face this problem more. so often. <laughs> you hear more stuff from me about it. There's a lot more I haven't covered. We use event sourcing. So the way that we do reliability is that events are the source of truth. And we are able to resume from any downtime because of that, right? Uh, there, that's just a yeah. fundamentally opinionated architecture, which I think a lot of people struggle. Like they eventually find it, but then they're like, oh, I have like five years of legacy work that I had to throw away now. Right. Yeah. I'll, you, you hear more from me about, about this for sure. But uh, thanks for taking the time to, to check it out. Cool. Well, maybe you can uh, just while we're finishing up here, tell us a little bit about your social media and My have social one more media. bonus question for you. Uh, what, can you can you help me here? Like what what specifically about, oh, about social like, media? Follow him on Twitter at oh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, at Swix. Uh, it's my English and Chinese initials S W Y X. But also you know just temporal. We have a mailing list. Where we're doing a meetup next week. A lot of people you know we'll have one of our users presenting Airbyte, and we're just trying to grow our community. You know and and help people solve their problems. We're still cool. pretty yeah. I mean I'm pretty excited. Awesome. Well, I have one little bonus question for you. I didn't let you know about beforehand, but I've been asking all of our interviewees this. What is one tool that you use all the time that you just could not let put me on the spot here? Oh, man, there's honestly, simple notes, very good. <laughs> oh yeah, just the notes app. A notes app. It has to be reliable offline first and multi-platform. I know there are other notes app out there. Simple Notes Free, it's backed by WordPress and it's very reliable and it just does notes, right? It doesn't do any any rich media. So you don't 
like I know about I know Notion's the new hotness and all that, but like anything that slows it down, <laughs> like Notion will choose fancy new feature over speed and reliability. And I value speed and reliability. So I yeah, I shout out for simple notes. I think everyone should have at least as reliable of a note-taking system. As cool. Well, I'll have to go, I'll have to go down and download that then. <laughs> I've been using Notion forever. So Anyway, I mean, like, like anytime you search it, it's it, like that, that spinner just like ticks you off. Like anytime you accidentally yeah. reorder something on the mobile app, it ticks you off. Like just stuff like that. Just don't do it. Around and around and around. But, but thank you for, for introducing me to that. I'm going to go download that right now, actually. <laughs> well, well, thank you for joining me today, Sean. I really appreciate you, you teaching me all about Temporal. I'd love to have you back in, uh, in the coming weeks to tell us a little bit more about progress once those SDKs are released. So let me know. But in the meantime, maybe we should cap it off there. Thank you, Sean. All right. Thanks, everyone.